On this episode of Geek Explained, our Kingdom Hearts adventure continues with Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. God, I hate this title. Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we explain it. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is all about Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. Um, okay, you've you've heard this before on a couple podcasts. I, I can't stand this name, guys. I it really bothers me on like a fundamental level, but it's uh it's not indicative of the game itself. The game, I think, overall is actually not too bad. I uh, I really I enjoy the story. I love the tragic aspect of it. Um, the gameplay is uh, neither here nor there. It's really I don't think any worse than Chain of Memories. So, um, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So uh, today we are covering. I think it's the sixth. No, we couldn't be that far yet. For the fourth game, the fourth game into the series. Uh, for those of you who haven't listened to our previous episodes on uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, and Kingdom Hearts 2, what are you doing here? Um, I mean, welcome, of course, but go back, listen to the other stories, uh, the other episodes, because story-wise you might be a little lost getting into this. So um, go ahead and uh, listen to those, pause this now, and we'll wait for you here. Okay, cool. Great episodes, right? So, jumping into this game, uh, I'm going to give you a little backstory for me. I remember really wanting to play this game when it came out, but I couldn't because I didn't own a Nintendo DS, and I was really upset about it. I couldn't afford it. So what I did, and which is something that I'm not um, saying that anyone else, I'm not endorsing anyone to do this, is uh, I went online, I got a, uh, a DS emulator downloaded offline, and I played this game on the computer. So I experienced this on a much bigger screen, which uh, I think uh, had its positives and negatives when it came to the experience of it, but overall I really enjoyed the game. So uh, I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. Uh, I'm going to give you a little background to the uh, development of the game itself, and then we're going to jump right into the story. So Kingdom Hearts 358 days over two. I'm going to try and get through this entire episode without getting like really angry about it, uh, is an action role-playing game developed by Hand, that's H-A-N-D, uh, they also um, did One Piece Pirates Carnival, uh, Naruto, Ultimate Ninja Storm 4, uh, a bunch of different other games, but it was overseen by different employees from Square Enix and, of course, was directed by Tetsuya Nomura. Um, this game was interesting. In uh, 2007, Nomura expressed that he wanted to make a game that was a spin-off for the series on a mobile title. And he had a few different ideas of how he wanted to go about that um and in uh 2007 at the tokyo game show he announced uh 358 over two days um along with birth by sleep and coded so three games were announced at this uh tokyo game show in 2007 um all three different games, all three different protagonists, all three different stories, but they were pitched as essentially this, uh, these stories that are almost as important as the main game stories. Um, this game was also uh, one of the few games in the series to 
include both single player and multiplayer and this was also announced at tokyo game show and um really early on they decided that they wanted this title to be on the nintendo ds they during the announcement they announced this would be on the ds they said that uh, birth by sleep would be on the um psp the playstation portable and coded would be a mobile game uh they really wanted to initially tell a brand new story uh that people weren't very familiar with but they wanted it to be as important as the other mainline games so they decided that Roxas would be the main character for this uh, for this game, and this game would kind of dive into why he left Organization 13. And also jumping off of that, they wanted to introduce a new member of the organization, and they wanted to kind of tell the story of how that person, how that character, affected Roxas and his decision to leave the organization. So... Initially, in development, they had uh, certain issues with gameplay, uh, with just working with the mechanics of the uh, Nintendo DS, because at the time it was still a relatively new uh, handheld console, and uh, they made it pretty clear early on that they weren't going to use the stylus that came with the system. Uh, they wanted it to be as close to a Kingdom Hearts uh, style experience as possible. So they, again, they decided Roxas was going to be the main character, which I was super psyched about when they announced it, because of course Roxas is my favorite character. Um, and all of them, all of the, all three games that were announced at this Tokyo Game Show then went into production. Uh, Birth by Sleep was the first game put into development, but uh, 358 over two days um, was the first game out of the three that was released. Uh, even with the game getting delayed twice, initially it was uh, supposed to come out in, 2000, in early 2008, then it got pushed back to late 2008, then it got pushed back again to early 2009. But finally, after two years of anticipation, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, 5, 8 days over 2 uh, was released in Japan on May 30th of 2009. The rest of the world had to wait a little bit. Uh, the U.S. received it on September 29th of 2009, with uh, Europe receiving it in on October 9th, 2009, and Australia having to wait all the way until October 22nd, 2009, to receive this game. But all of that is development. Uh, once the game came out, it came out to mixed reviews. Uh, a lot of people praised the story, but didn't praise certain game mechanics uh the game had a lot of the same feel i thought of as the uh, first kingdom hearts game combat was a little sluggish but it was kind of made to uh so that the player could tailor it to their style to their uh play style you still had physical attacks you still had magic attacks the whole deal but the uh the setup for your skills was sort of similar to how they were positioning Chain of Memories, where they kind of had these panels, I remember, and uh, you had to go through, you had to uh, put these panels like in if you wanted a skill, you had to make sure it was on your, uh, on your little command board or whatever, and uh, it was just, it was not well received. Uh, and I think with the limitations of the hardware of the t Nintendo DS, uh, this was going to be an uphill battle for this game. But not so for the story. The story is incredible, and we are going to jump into the story right here. So Kingdom Hearts 358, over two days, um, opens up on day 255. The title, will, title of the game will become apparent very quickly on here in this game. Uh, the story opens up with Roxas and Axel sitting on the clock tower in twilight town and they're just having a normal little hangout eating some sea salt ice cream and axel asks roxas if he knows why the sun sets red roxas of course doesn't so axel takes it upon himself to explain that of all the colors when the sun sets that could be red reaches the farthest and that's why it is the most common scene when the sun sets um they have a little friendly banter and then Roxas looks around and asks, you know, where she might be. 
After this, the clock begins to count backwards. We head back all the way to day number one. Roxas is found by Xemnas in Twilight Town. He is essentially a catatonic mess, not able to form words, a blank stare, the whole deal. And it's there where Xemnas gives Roxas his name, taking an anagram of Sora and inserting the X, much like the rest of the organization's members. Roxas is named the 13th member of the organization and is given an introduction as the key, as a one of the chosen Keyblade wielders. And very soon after this is sent out on missions to collect hearts. He is at this point put under the care of Axel, who is a fiery redhead and um, who immediately takes a shine to Roxas, wanting to immediately be friends with him and show him the ropes. Uh, Roxas is also paired up with mis on missions with other members of the organization, such as Demix, Zaldin, Sykes, etc. And it's during these uh, missions with Axel, following every mission, that Axel says, let's go eat ice cream. And that's when they begin this tradition of the two of them after a successful mission, meeting up on, on the clock tower in Twilight Town and eating sea salt ice cream. Not long after this, approximately seven days after this, uh, we are introduced to a mysterious 14th member of the organization. This person is brought forward and is given the name Shion. So this person immediately is shrouded in mystery. You can't see her face. It's covered in the hood. And Roxas is immediately just put off by her. He doesn't know who she is, what she's doing in the organization. But he doesn't get a lot of time to process this because very soon after this, Axel, along with multiple other members of the organization, are sent on assignment to Castle Oblivion. Those of you who played Chain of Memories or listened to our episode, you should totally go do, uh, know the relevance of this location. Following this, with Axel essentially being separated from Roxas and Roxas not having a partner to go with on missions, he is paired up with Shion, which is an interesting uh, little dichotomy because neither of them really are experienced members of the organization. They know the mission of the organization, which is to go out to the many worlds and collect hearts by defeating Heartless, capturing their hearts, and presenting them, collecting them all into a construction of Xemnas's design called Kingdom Hearts in the world that never was. Uh, it doesn't take long for Xion to begin to open up to Roxas, and when she finally reveals her face, we see that she looks very similar to Sora's old friend Kairi, except with dark hair and dark eyes. The two quickly become friends, and not long after, during a mission, it is revealed that Xion can also wield the Keyblade. She helps Roxas on a mission and is able to defeat a Heartless with said Keyblade. Not long after this, Roxas falls into a coma. We don't know exactly what is going on with him, but he falls into a deep coma, and three weeks pass with him asleep. During this three weeks, Shion is sent on multiple solo missions, utilizing the Keyblade to collect hearts, and after every mission, she brings a seashell from the world that she visited and lays it at Roxas' bedside. Finally, after three weeks, Roxas wakes and is surprised to see all of the seashells that Shion has collected for him. And basically, it strengthens the relationship between the two but this relationship soon becomes strained when they get news that everyone at Castle Oblivion was basically destroyed. That something happened there, an incident happened there, and everyone is gone. Everyone has been eliminated. So this, of course, shakes Roxas to his core. Axel was his best friend. Axel was sent to Castle Oblivion, and now he's gone. So it's at this time that Roxas and Xion begin to grow closer. Uh, Xion sees that Roxas is hurting, that he is upset by the loss of his friend, and so she tries to be a good friend herself by being there for him and supporting him when he needs it. 
Thankfully, they don't have to mourn for long as Axel returns, seemingly having survived and being the sole survivor of the Castle Oblivion incident, and very quickly returns to Roxas first, the two meeting up on the Twilight Town clock tower. Axel seems a bit apprehensive to return to Zemnis as something seems to be on his mind. Something happened at Castle Oblivion that he doesn't want to talk about. Uh, not too long after this, Axel, of course, does return to the organization, reports back to Zemnis on everything that happened at Castle Oblivion. Following this, Roxas now has to split his time between Axel and Shion. Uh, Axel seems to be open to accepting Shion as a part of their uh, duo dynamic duo friend group, but it's interesting when we see Shion from Roxas's perspective we see her as she is with the short hair the dark hair um, pretty face the whole deal but when we see Shion from Axel's perspective we still see a blank face covered by a uh, a hood not like a blank face like she doesn't have any features but like essentially she's a clean slate she's still covered up by her hood which is interesting and it as an audience we aren't immediately privy to why this is uh following this they go about their daily missions the daily grind uh days pass weeks pass with no incident until one day when Shion loses her ability to use the keyblade uh we don't aren't ex it isn't explained why this is but she is unfortunately not able to use the Keyblade and therefore doesn't have a way to collect hearts for the organization. Of course, at this point, this puts a lot of strain on Xion because she fears if she doesn't have the Keyblade and isn't able to collect hearts, that the organization will ultimately cast her out. So Axel comes up with a just crazy plan where Roxas along with doing his missions will also accompany Xion on her missions Roxas will basically pull double duty and will uh, collect hearts for the both of them which puts a lot of strain on Roxas but as Xion's best friend he is more than willing to do so uh, across the worlds it seems meanwhile uh, the sleeping Sora following the events of Castle Oblivion is moved by Diz and Namine from Castle Oblivion to the old mansion in Twilight Town. As this is all going on, we see that tensions are starting to build between Axel and Saix. Uh, it seems that Saix has some kind of secret schemes of uh, rising to the top of the organization and that Axel has been in on it from the start. Uh, they, Axel begins to... Uh, it seems, according to Saix, that Axel is starting to veer away from their goal, their mutual goal, by getting distracted with friendships, and Saix wants him to focus back on what they've been working so hard towards. We also get uh, the idea or the inclination that a lot of the eliminations of organization members at Castle Oblivion were thanks to uh, of course, Axel and Saix's plan, that the reason that Saix eliminated members who weren't traitors to the organization, such as um, Vexen, such as uh, Zexion, were to rise Saix's rank in the organization. Saix, in one of their conversations, also hints at a hidden chamber at Castle Oblivion that they weren't able to find, a chamber that is of great importance to Xemnas and that they need to find soon to continue their goals. Uh, fairly soon after this, uh, Saix sends Axel back to Castle Oblivion, and after an argument, Saix kind of retorts to Axel that he's changed, uh, hinting to us that they have a long history together. Following this, uh, there's a day where Shion misses a uh, an ice cream date with Roxas, their usual post-mission uh, hangout. Roxas isn't sure exactly what's happening with Shion, but we soon find out that Shion is 
locked in her room that she is visibly shaken. Something happened. Uh, we get flashes to an encounter with a blindfolded man who calls her a fake as well as calling her Keyblade a fake. This has shaken Shion to her core and is deeply, deeply troubling her. Uh, during this encounter, the blindfolded man also urges Shion to leave the organization because he knows that she is just a tool being used as a means to an end. Um, pretty soon after this, uh, Roxas and Shion have kind of an awkward confrontation where uh, Roxas is trying to understand where Shion's coming from, what's going on with her, and Shion is not willing to share with him. So they have a bit of a uh, friendly fight or a friendly argument and uh, which leaves the two of them deeply, deeply upset. Uh, soon after this, Shion fails in a mission and falls into a coma of her own. And at this point, Roxas takes on, again, what he was already doing, pulling double duty for both of them, essentially doing both of their missions now on his own. And after every successful mission, he grabs a seashell to leave at her bedside the same way that he did or that she did for him. Uh, this is an interesting time in Roxas's uh, life in the organization, as he is both without Axel and without Shion. So he is going on missions solo and trying to just kind of keep everything together and keep his mental state together, being without both of his friends. Uh, not too long after this, approximately three weeks, just similarly, interestingly the same amount of time that Roxas was in a coma, Shion wakes up, though every time she goes to sleep following this, she starts to see visions, get memories of Sora's adventures from the first Kingdom Hearts game. Um, not long after she wakes up, she faints again, and Axel shows that he has indeed changed and that he's showing concern for Shion and when we look at Shion through Axel's perspective we now see the Shion that Roxas sees. Axel then tells both of them that they are his best friends, a concept that earlier in the story seemed foreign to him as nobodies are supposed to not have any hearts and therefore not supposed to be able to understand how to have best friends. We cut back to Naminé after this with seeing her progress on trying to piece together the chain of memories for Sora so that he will wake up once again. But unfortunately, she's seemingly coming into some trouble in doing that. Uh, she explains to Diz that Sora's memories are bleeding into a, no a nobody that is connected to him somehow and if this nobody continues to unconsciously siphon these memories from Sora he might never wake up uh, Diz asks if there's anything that can be done and Naminé reports that unless we find her and she is able to give up the memories willingly there isn't going to be anything we can do to which Diz responds she Back to our heroes, uh, they're doing the daily grind, both uh, Roxas, Axel, and Shion are all back together doing missions, and at a certain point Axel says, you know what, we should go to the beach. Our next day off we should go to the beach, uh, kind of mirroring the opening to Kingdom Hearts 2. And during this, uh, during this conversation, the topic of Castle Oblivion comes up. Axel is immediately doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to uh, broach the subject, but Shion seems really interested because she's something is pulling her to there. Uh, it's not long after this that Shion makes her way to Castle Oblivion, where she finds that Axel is already there. He tries to turn her away from the castle and she shakes him off and escapes deeper into castle oblivion and that is when it is revealed to us that she as a nobody was born in castle oblivion that's where she comes from and that's why axel has been trying to keep her away from it after this we find ourselves back to the beginning of our story day 255 we've been working our way through it 
and it's here that Shion discovers the truth. That truth being that she is an artificial nobody created by the organization from multiple memories of Sora's. Uh, during this time, Roxas is completely alone. Weeks pass, uh, Axel hasn't returned from Castle Oblivion, Shion has gone AWOL, and uh, we seem to find that Roxas has stumbled upon Destiny Island. Uh, he finds a cloaked figure on one of the islands, and as he approaches him, this cloaked figure is revealed to be Zexion. Zexion, who was eliminated during the events of Castle Oblivion. Uh, Riku seemingly confronts Zexion, and we find that we are in a scene from Riku's campaign in Chain of Memories. And that's when Roxas suddenly turns into Shion, and that Shion has been experiencing these memories and this has been she on the entire time that she is being flooded not just with memories of Sora's adventures from the first game but also from adventures in Chain of Memories and Shion passes out and she is found by the blindfolded man from before who is of course revealed to be Riku. Uh, following this Riku returns to Namine back in Twilight Town and Namine finally gives him the rundown on what's going on with her. That the memories that should be returning to Sora are instead merging with Shion. Uh, the fact that Roxas and Shion are now two pieces of Sora, and the two of them are the key to Sora waking up. And this is kind of the also the explanation on Shion's blank face at different points in the story. That her appearance is based on the memories of the person interacting with her. So Roxas and Axel, who have happy memories of her, have created this image of her that they see, while other members of the organization, when we see her through their perspective, still see her as essentially a doll, essentially a toy that they are being that they're using to meet their goals. Uh, following this, Axel resolves to find Shion. He has a conversation with Roxas, and the two of them uh, go on a quest to find Shion and to bring her back safely. Uh, this leads them, of course, to Castle Oblivion, which was the last place that Axel saw Shion. But they aren't even able to make it into the first floor before Roxas is flooded with the memories of Sora's adventures inside the castle and collapses. Shion then appears with Riku, and the two escape before Axel is able to bring her home. Uh, weeks pass with no sign of her until Roxas, during a mission, stumbles upon her. He finds her in Twilight Town and tries to bring her home. Shion brandishes her keyblade at him and it's here that Axel appears. And it's revealed that not only has Axel been tailing Roxas to every single mission, but that he was the entire reason that he has been searching for Shion so hard is because he was given the orders to find her by the higher ups, Zemnis and Saix. Uh, Axel and Shion fight with Axel defending Roxas. Uh, finally, during the course of the fight, Roxas distracts Shion and Axel is able to defeat her. Uh, Axel returns her to the organization, but it's here that Roxas gets a name in his head, a name that he can't shake. So he asks Axel, Who is Sora? Meanwhile, with Xemnas, he reveals his master plan to the rest of the organization of essentially that both Roxas and Shion by their mere existence as well as their proximity to each other are halting Sora's memories from being repaired. He isn't able to be whole without them and Xemnas concludes that this plan enacting is to keep both Roxas and Shion together side by side to prevent Sora from waking up. Our neighbor's dog as you can probably hear is very distressed at Zemnis's plan that she thinks it's a dastardly cruel scheme to <laughs> to attack Sora oh man <laughs> oh that dog 
Um, anyway, so there's a very somber scene following this on the clock tower with both Axel, Roxas, as well as Shion sitting in silence. They're ice cream dripping. This is a far cry from their halcyon days of completing missions and meeting up and having good friend time. Uh, also during this time, Diz has reported to Namine, and Namine has basically explained to Diz that Sora's progress is halted. She's done everything that she can, but with Shion and Roxas existing, uh, there's no way that she's going to be able to fix him, and that he's he might stay asleep forever. And it's here that Diz says the gloves are off. We have to make Shion and Roxas not a problem anymore. It's also around this time that Roxas starts to experience Sora's memories in the same way that Shion has been. Whenever he goes to sleep, he dreams of Sora's adventures. And as time goes on, with Roxas and Shion once again paired together under the organization's watchful eye, we start to see that Shion is starting to gain strength. She's starting to grow in power. And at the same time, Roxas begins to deteriorate. His health begins to decline. Every time he uses the Keyblade, he gets more and more exhausted, and the Keyblade seems to be draining him, pulling power away from him. And the longer that they spend together, the more that the stronger that Shion gets, the weaker that Roxas is going to get. Following this, there is a quiet moment that Roxas has with Axel on top of the clock tower, where Axel reveals to Roxas the truth of Shion's creation. Uh, he does reveal that she was artificially created, about the adverse effect that she is having on him, and that eventually something bad is going to happen. But of course, Roxas still sees Shion as one of his best friends, so he tells Axel that he's not going to betray her, he's not going to change anything that she's doing because as long as she's okay he can he can bear the weight of the um of the drain that he is experiencing unfortunately uh that doesn't seem to be the plan for Zemnis and the rest of the organization as Zemnis announces to the remaining organization members that he has decreed through the uh, experiences of the past year that Shion is going to be more of a useful tool to them than Roxas. The fact that Shion was created by the organization, that they can manipulate her, that they can use her, and that Roxas still has too many variables that um, could throw a wrench into their operations. So Xemnas puts Roxas and Shion on a collision course where one of them is going to come out of this and one of them won't. Uh, soon after this, Roxas is sent on a mission to defeat some Heartless and to collect hearts for the, uh, for the organization. And it's here that he experiences a battle with a super strong Heartless. This Heartless is able to match him move for move and is very near about to defeat him when Axel suddenly arrives and pushes both the Heartless and Roxas away from each other, and he dispels the illusion, revealing that Roxas has been fighting Shion this whole time, and that this was a this was an elaborate ruse by Xemnas for one of them to kill the other and absorb the powers of uh, the Fallen. So, after this, the group has one last hangout, on the top of the clock tower. And there's this sense of dread, the sense of this is going to be the last time that the three of them are together. And they try to make the most of it by having a friendly afternoon, but they know that something bad is about to happen. At the same time, Diz sends Riku to abduct the two and to bring them back so that they can finish completing Sora's memories. Uh, during a mission not too long after this, between uh, Shion, Axel, and Zigbar, Shion attacks Zigbar. Uh, during this, Zigbar, looking at Shion, doesn't see Shion, but sees someone who looks strangely like Roxas, though his clothes are different. Uh, they're not anything that we as an audience have seen Roxas wear before, but there's something different about him. 
with this distraction of recognizing this person, uh, Shion attacks and injures Zigbar and then escapes out of uh, Axel's grasp. Axel returns to the organization telling Roxas that Shion's escaped, as well as revealing to Roxas that the organization has plans to replace him with Shion. Uh, it's here that Shion, after having escaped, approaches Riku, uh, wanting to meet Sora and wanting to um, be of some use. She is having trouble finding her place and wants to be of service to Sora. Riku then sends her to Twilight Town to meet up with Diz and Namine and to complete Sora. Um, Zemnis then reveals to the rest of the organization that Shion was part of the replica program that Vexen was working on and that she is an incomplete copy that he created or was in the process of creating at Castle Oblivion and that the reason that Vexen was originally sent to the castle in the first place was to complete this replica that eventually became Shion. Uh, it's then that Zemnis orders Axel to hunt down Shion and bring her back. It's it's a tough place that it puts Axel in. He doesn't want to go after his friend, one of his very best friends, but he also doesn't want to be eliminated by the organization for defying them. It's around this time that in Twilight Town, Riku and Mickey reunite for the first time, apparently during... Uh, following the events of Chain of Memories, they lost track of each other. Uh, Riku reveals to Mickey that the organization is closing in on them, and that Sora's so close to waking up, but that he's had to make some sacrifices, motioning to his uh, blindfold, and that he, is, he isn't the same, that the events of the past year have changed him, and at least in his eyes, not for the better. Uh, Roxas finally approaches Axel regarding Sora, wanting to know who he is, why he has the Keyblade. He's having all these questions, uh, having these dreams of Sora and everything, and Axel won't give him any answers, so Roxas decides to leave. He, This is when we see one of the scenes that was a flashback in Kingdom Hearts 2 of Axel and Roxas having an argument on whether or not Roxas should leave the organization. Axel saying that the organization will destroy him for leaving, and Roxas flippantly saying no one would miss me before leaving. Of course, following this, Axel reveals that he would. It's at this point, meanwhile, that Shion finally meets Namine. Uh, Namine explains her existence, her connection to Sora, why she looks the way she does. And Shion resolves to rejoin with Sora. Uh, that's when Diz barges in saying that the organization has found them and that they're closing in and that they have you the organization has used Shion to as essentially a tracking beacon to find them. Shion vows to draw them away from Sora and from the mansion, and that's when she steps outside and finds Axel. Axel laments to her that, you know, as far as you're going to run, I will always bring you back. Just, and it's, it's, honestly, it's heartbreaking because you see that Axel is torn between two worlds, that of his best friends and that of his duty as part of this organization. The two have a battle and Axel defeats Shion, but upon returning to the organization, we find that he has suffered many injuries from battling Shion, and he collapses. It's here that Zemnis abducts Shion for nefarious purposes. Roxas, who is un has no idea of what's been going on, is at the clock tower at uh, in Twilight Town, trying to figure out what his next step is and what he's going to do to try and find Sora. And that's when Shion arrives, hooded, and tells Roxas that this is the end. This is where they've always been heading, and that she can feel him so clearly now. She pulls off her hood and reveals Sora's face. And this is... It's not really explained on why she looks the way she does, but what I assume is that 
with how much of Sora's memories she's taken in, the fact that Sora is not able to be completed because of Shion and Roxas, that she has taken upon the appearance of the majority of the memories that she now contains. Uh, she then has this final battle with Roxas, basically saying that only one of us can walk away. And she assumes this gigantic nobody-like form that Roxas fights in the air above the uh, above the clock tower in Twilight Town. Roxas is able to defeat Shion, and as she fades away, she reveals to him what's going on, what Zemnis's plan is, and urges him not to let Zemnis have Kingdom Hearts, because she knows what's going to happen, she knows how he's going to use Kingdom Hearts. And as she fades away, because she was an artificial construct created from memories, her memories start to fade away too. Roxas begins to ask who she is, if he did this to her, he's starting to not remember her, and as she fades away, he is left with almost nothing. However, the one thing that Roxas does remember is that he just made a promise to someone to stop Zemnis. And now we find ourselves at day 358. Roxas returns to the world that never was to kill Zemnis and to free the hearts trapped within his uh, artificial kingdom hearts. And it's here that we see not only the events leading into uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, but also finally the full realization of the secret ending of the very first Kingdom Hearts game. Roxas coming into a dark cityscape as the rain falls around him. He is attacked by uh, different Neo Shadows, different Heartless, defeating them, and this is when he encounters Riku. Riku, during their battle, seemingly as he continues to battle Roxas, begins to forget Shion himself from coming into contact with Roxas. And now that Shion has been defeated we see that her memories her essence has now been absorbed into roxas the two of them essentially being two halves of the same whole which of course is the missing piece from sora's heart the two finally fight they battle and roxas is able to overcome riku but it's here that riku decides that he is going to embrace the darkness inside of him and that's when he pulls the blindfold from his face and assumes the form of Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, Ansem's Heartless, and, or Xehanort's Heartless, rather. And it's with this newfound dark power that he's able to defeat Roxas. And as Roxas begins to lose consciousness, he hears the voice of Diz speaking with Riku about how it's time to bring him home. The next shot that we get is Roxas waking up inside of the digital Twilight Town. We have officially entered Kingdom Hearts 2. He sits up after having another dream about him, him referring Sora, of course, and it pans out from him into the virtual Twilight Town, and we step into the opening moments of Kingdom Hearts 2. And there you have it, the tragedy of Roxas condensed into just under an hour. Um... Speaking about any kind of uh, remakes of the game, unfortunately there has been none. With the uh, 1.5 and later 1.5 and 2.5 remix, um, Roxas' is, Roxas's story unfortunately as a game wasn't remade, but all of the cutscenes were cut together into a film essentially just under two hours. Um, this is a sad story guys it's it's pretty pretty unfortunate um roxas who i think we all could agree had a pretty tough time of it in the original kingdom hearts 2 giving him context with both losing axel losing um Shion, and eventually losing himself to have to uh restart a guy who he only really finds out about you know maybe a couple weeks before he is sacrificed for him is really heavy and it's really dark um it's uh man it's tough it's tough i uh again roxas is my favorite character and getting to relive his story as sad as it is 
uh, was really cool in getting to reacquaint myself with him, with his adventures. Uh, Shion is an interesting character, but I think, uh, at least for me, when she was introduced in the story, I was like, okay, well, you're not going to last past this game because there is no reference to you in Kingdom Hearts 2, which I guess makes sense with uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 or at least the uh, the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. 358 over two days. Um, kind of her going away as well as being essentially a memory construct that Vexen created and with her disappearing, so too did the memories of her. But um, she was a great character. Uh, I think coming into Kingdom Hearts 3, we might see her again. Uh, she is one of the people who, as we'll touch on later on down the line, is one of the people that Sora needs to free. Um, and is one of the many people connected to Sora's heart, almost by proxy, by default, it seems. As the series goes on, we start to see these these all these different characters coming from all these different walks of life suddenly you know have this connection to Sora which of course he's the main character of the series but uh it's it's interesting seeing all of these kind of side stories that eventually lead as every game seems to all roads lead to Sora so this is a great prequel story into Kingdom Hearts 2 I like the fact that it was, at least for a portion of it, was happening simultaneously alongside Chain of Memories, and we get to see the immediate fallout from that. We uh, we see little bits of Riku as he tries, as he struggles with the darkness inside of him. Uh, we get a little cameo from Mickey because you can't have can't have these games without him, and uh, it was just it was an intriguing story, kind of seeing the organization members outside of Sora's POV. Uh, seeing Demix, essentially, there are moments in this story where, uh, or in this game, rather, where we see Demix just lounging in what we can only assume is the employee break room talking about, you know, oh, I'm just so tired, I don't want to do this today. So it's, it's interesting, and of course, with uh, the trailers that we've seen of Kingdom Hearts 3, most, if not all, of these characters we are going to see return in some form or another some uh having returned to their bodies some having to uh or being new vessels for xehanort so yeah this is uh this is i think one of those uh kind of setting the table stories where when you look back going into kingdom hearts 3 looking back at the entire series of games before it this is just as integral a part of the story as chain of memories as kingdom hearts 1 so this is that was it that is the story for uh this game i Hope you guys enjoyed it. You guys have really been liking the Kingdom Hearts series so far, and I've been enjoying going back through these games uh, with you. So uh, next up, we have what might possibly be my favorite game in the series, uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. So look forward to that first week of November. I myself, it is, uh, it's going to be kind of difficult getting, uh, getting time in to play birth by sleep this month i've got a lot going on i just finished up my uh voiceover demo uh my commercial demo so i'm going to be pitching that out to uh agencies to hopefully get representation soon here i'm also uh working on the horror experience at uh, warner brothers it's called horror made here get your tickets now uh i'll be there pretty much every weekend and when i'm not there i'll be working my restaurant job so yeah, it's a big month for me, also trying to squeeze in Birth by Sleep, but I'm going to make it happen. You're going to get an episode on time. Uh, if you haven't yet, uh, this week we have uh, double the episodes, because uh, last week with everything going on leading into this week, uh, I wasn't able to get an episode out. So this is episode 26, uh, episode 25, our big 25th episode featuring uh, the debut of our segment Pitch It where in that episode I'll be pitching my uh, my version of a solo Spider-Man film. So definitely check that out. It's a big episode for us, big episode for this podcast. And of course, I really appreciate you guys supporting us, supporting the episodes, listening in. Um, our, pad, our podcast has been growing a lot, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, I just looked the other day, and I've got listeners in Estonia. I've got listeners in uh, Italy. 
um got listeners to the philippines like it's crazy how far uh podcasts can reach and of course all of you listening here in the good old us of a i appreciate you as well so uh feel free to reach out to me if you are listening in another country uh feel free to reach out to me on twitter at geek explained pod that's at geek explained pod or feel free to send me an email uh because I'm an old man and I still read emails. You can send any emails for uh, just reaching out, saying hello, for um, requesting future topics on episodes, for just overall geek conversation. I love talking to you guys. I love having conversations about anything geek culture with you. So um, as we're heading into the spookiest month of the year, uh, look forward to uh, some good episodes. I'm going to try and put out at least one horror themed episode we are getting the second season of castlevania this month so uh if you haven't listened to my episode on castlevania on the first season reviewing the first season it has blown up recently so uh check that out and then once the uh, second season drops you can bet i will be doing an episode focused on that but uh that's all to come uh I want to say thank you to everyone who has been uh, listening faithfully to twenty now 26 episodes of this podcast. I can't do this without you. So I will continue to churn them out, and we will see you right here uh, first week of November for the next installment of our Kingdom Hearts series, and right here next week for the next episode in the podcast. So for Geeksplain, this is Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.